It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise God. In your Bibles this morning, turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John chapter 1. Now, we're still studying issues of the heart. And we kind of took a, took a turn over into the willing and obedience scripture in Isaiah chapter 1. It says, if you be willing and obedient, uh, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you uh, refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured. Everybody say, I don't want to be devoured. That word devoured literally uh, indicates an event that happened to Israel when the earth opened up and devoured 250 families. And the Bible said they went down live into hell. That's not for me. Amen. I tell you, I'd like to go live into heaven, but I don't want to get anywhere near hell. Amen. So we begin to look at the, the subject of submission. Uh, you know, it says in, uh, over there in James chapter 4, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil. He'll, he'll uh, flee from you. Uh, so we begin to look at the uh, submission and humility issue, which is an issue. Amen. Because the Bible says to humble yourself. The Bible says to submit yourself. There's nothing uh, 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 in submission and humility that is in your nature. It's not there. It's not in your human nature, but it is in your spiritual nature. But you still have to humble yourself. You still have to submit yourself. Amen. And so when you make a decision to do that, there are three areas in which you submit and humble yourself. And number one is, well, we don't put it in order of importance, but the first one we dealt with was submission to spiritual authority. There are those that God places in oversight in the church. Of course, in churches, uh, it's the pastor that has the oversight. Uh, I always remain or retain that oversight. Other ministers that come, they may have a larger ministry, a greater ministry in scope. But when they come and teach and preach in this pulpit, they all submit to me. If they don't, I won't have them. And when I go to their churches and teach and preach in their churches, I submit to them. And they'd be fools to have anybody that didn't. A lot of churches have been messed up uh, by ministries that don't, uh, they're not submissive to the, to the local authority. And so they come in and they have a meeting and everything looks like it's great because bunches of people came and people got healed and this and that. But when the, when the ministry leaves, it always leaves destruction in the church. I've seen it happen over and over. I know of one particular ministry that was going around, and a, and a friend of mine was kind of following it because the Holy Ghost said, follow this ministry. And so he, was not, he wasn't physically following. He was just checking up, calling pastors that he knew uh, that this man preached for. And this man was very arrogant. This man was very, uh, uh, I don't know, he was just had a, a way about him like he knew everything and nobody else knew what he knew and, and he was better than everybody else. And he'd go to churches and man, I'm telling you, he'd have the goods and the power of God would flow and the, and the power of God would manifest. But without exception, every church he went to, the pastor said this, it took us a year to recover from those meetings. Every meeting, the place was packed. Every meeting, you know, there were large crowds, people got saved, but it took the churches a year to recover from. And the reason was there was no submission there. So submission is an important thing when it comes to spiritual authority. Secondly, you have to submit to the leadership and guidance of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is in you. If you're, if you're born again, the Spirit has come to abide. He's taken up residence in you forever. I said forever you have the residue of God in the person of the Holy Ghost in you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Back in the ancient day, before the Shekinah glory could come into the temple, the temple was cleansed with the blood of bulls and goats. But I want you to know the human temple could have never been cleansed with the blood of bulls and goats. It had to be 
cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And when the blood of Jesus cleansed the temple of the human heart, the Holy Ghost came to abide. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will lead you, guide you, direct you, show you things to come. The Bible says he's our counselor, he's our comforter, he's our strengthener, he's our advocate, he's our standby, he's our intercessor. And I'm telling you, when you learn to follow the Holy Ghost, he's going to guide you into the good things of God. Now, if we were to put this in order of importance, this is the most important. You must submit yourself to the Word of God. The day you make a decision that the Word of God is going to be first place in your life is the day you're going to begin to have breakthroughs in the kingdom. It's the day you're going to begin to overcome your adversary, and it's the day you're going to begin to see the blessings of God begin to flow into your life. There's nothing more important in the life of a believer that he put God's Word first and submit to God's Word in his life, his or her life. Can I get an amen? Now, we're going to look at some things about the Word of God. The Word of God stands on its own. We don't need to be arguers for the case of the Word of God. There's all kinds of denominational people and spiritual people and religious people who want to argue points of the Word of God. But I've noticed this about the Word of God. It stands on its own. You know, I'd be really a bad candidate to try to come to and try to talk out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, why? Because I've experienced it. It's part of my lifestyle. I'd be a bad candidate for somebody to come to and try to talk me out of divine healing. You say, why? Because I've experienced it. It's part of my life and lifestyle. I'd be a very bad candidate for somebody to come to and try to argue me out of prosperity. You say, why? My life and my ministry has proven that it works. It works. It works for anybody, anyone who's willing to submit to it, to submit to the realities and the truths of what the Word of God presents to us as believers. Now, I know uh, there's, it's 2017, and my, 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 there are, there are many uh, translations, paraphrases, you know, all these different, uh, 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 you know, the Bible is presented in so many different ways from the, from the letters to street people, which is kind of a hippie Bible to a cotton patch translation, which is kind of the old Southern style Bible to you, to you name it. You can get you a, a Greek Bible. You can get you a Hebrew. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, but now the King James Bible, and I'm not, I, I read all types of translations. What's, what are we reading when we go to bed at night? reading the Message Bible right now. So we're, we've been studying and reading the Message Bible at night, and I, I, I'm all for it. But let me just say something about the King James Bible. The Bible says of itself, God says of his own word, I watch over my word to perform it. And I believe with all my heart that God watched over the development of what we call the King James Bible, which was actually the gathering of the canon of Scripture that we call the Bible of the Word of God today. We're scholars and men and women uh, back in, the, uh, in England, back in the, what was it, the 14, I think it's 14 something in which the, the King James Bible was put together. They got together and these, they sought God about what to put in this canon of Scripture. They chose the letters to the church. They chose Psalms and Proverbs. They chose different, uh, 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 you know, like First and Second Samuel, the history of, history of Israel, the, the poetry uh, books, the, the major prophets, the minor prophets, uh, the gospels, the four different gospels, uh, the letters to the church, and the book of Revelation. Now, the thing about that is, obviously, the hand of God was upon them. Because Christianity as we know it has come out of this. Every denomination, every religion, 
that has to do with Christianity has come out of that quote canon of Scripture. You say, why are you saying that? Because there's other books out there that people thought should have been in the Bible. You've heard of the Maccabees. You've heard of all these other different books like that. Now listen, the reason I do not believe they're relevant to us as Christians and believers is there's no performance of it. There's a performance of this word. And I'm telling you, every church, from one that meets in a rented building that's believing God to build a building, to every church that has built great cathedrals all over the world, is a testament to how this word works. Ought to get a better amen than that. Because of that, we should recognize and realize that we are literally handling the very word of God. We as Christians, as believers, are handling the very word of God. Now, if you were to divine, uh, define who we are, who are we as Christians? Do we adhere to uh, this uh, Calvinism? Do we adhere to Catholicism, which is basically the, uh, the word universalism? Do we adhere? We are, what we, we are what you would call purist. You say, why would you say purist? We take the word of God at its pure form. You know, Jesus said you must be born again. We got born again. He said to, uh, to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to wait in Jerusalem till you be empowered with the Holy Ghost. He commands believers to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Most of us are baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Amen. You say, well, what about the Old Testament? We're purists. You say, what do you mean? Paul said that it was given to us for an example. That means we don't keep feast days. Come on, church. We don't need a certain kind of shawl. We don't need certain type of menorah. That's all well and good for those type of traditions. But we don't. Those were given to us for example. Everybody say example. So now let's look. John, did you find the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 1? It says, in the beginning was the word. Everybody say in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word. Now I like this. The word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You cannot separate God from the Word. Now, let me say that again. You cannot separate God from the Word. Now, here's, but here's the point I want to make. You cannot experience Him outside His Word. Amen? Amen? You say, why do you say that? Because there's a lot of people that have experiences. And there's nothing wrong with an experience. But you cannot make a doctrine out of an experience. You can only make a doctrine out of the Word of God. Amen. Now, notice what it says. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now listen, God's Word is the substance and material of everything that exists in the material realm. When God began to speak this Word into existence, that Word came out of the spiritual realm and took material form. It took material form as this planet. It took material form as the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky. It took material form as the animals. And it also took material form as we, God's children. Can I get a better amen than that? Now you say, what point are you trying to make? If you could remove the Word of God out of the material realm, everything in the material realm would dematerialize. And man has broken down matter 
into very small part. They came down to the cell. Out of the cell, they got the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the atom. Out of the atom, they discovered the proton, the neutron. And then they discovered the quark, Q-U-A-R-K. Has anybody ever heard of that? Now, I, I read an article years ago flying over to Europe about it and never read anything since then. So yesterday, I went and got on my little iPad I got and, and typed in that word. And listen, I am not a scientist. And there was more information on the internet about that than I dreamed possible. And so I read till I couldn't read anymore and read about it and read about the different colors of them, the different how they come together to actually form the proton and neutron, which make up the atom, which make up, the, which make up matter and all of that. And how literally the theory of those that have discovered this last smallest piece of matter have determined that a quark is when, is a quark is when sound steps over into material. When sound becomes material. Now, that lines right up with the Word of God. Because God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. God didn't take and make something out of nothing. God made something out of His Word. Oh, somebody ought to get excited about that. So here we have all of this about God, the Word. People have done, they've challenged me. You act like that Bible's God. I've heard many preachers, many ministers that I love and have followed after over years, over the years that have said and made the statement, you can have no greater relationship with God than you have with this book right here. If you don't have a relationship with that book right there, I guarantee you're not going to have much of a relationship with God. But if you'll get in this book and dig and dig and dig, you're going to dig out healing. You're going to dig out deliverance. You're going to dig out prosperity. You're going to dig out joy. You're going to dig out peace. You're going to dig out all the good things that God says belongs to you. It reveals who he is. It reveals how he operates. God loves to do things his way. Amen. And when you begin to discover God's way, you'll find out your way was pretty foolish in the first place. Because you can't get near the results doing things your way as you can God's way. Now, verse 14, and we'll go on. Verse 14 says, and the word, I, I love this, and the word was made what? Flesh. What a phenomenon. We're going to study this on Easter Sunday. How the word of God, literally spoken word of God, out of the spirit realm was received by a little virgin girl down in, down in, a, down in a, 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 a Galilee and immediately that word crossed from the spirit realm into the natural realm and Jesus was conceived in the womb of a woman. It's a great mystery to the world, but it's not a mystery to the church. It's one of the pillars of what we believe. Yes, a virgin did conceive. Amen. Let me try that again. A virgin did conceive. There was not a young girl raped by a Roman soldier who made up a story. You say, why do you laugh? That's one of the proponents of atheism. Now, if one little impoverished girl could make up a story that changed the world and put you in church on Sunday morning. Come on, church. No, that's one of the pillars of what we believe is a virgin did conceive and brought forth a son and his name was Jesus and he is and was and forever will be the word of God. Amen. Now, go to, go to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to paint you a good picture of how you can submit to the word of God this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture, if I say all scripture... 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, let's just stop right there for a minute. Anything you can do in life that's profitable, anything you can do in life that's profitable, it would behoove you to do it. I ought to get a better amen than that. Anything you can do in life that is profitable, it would behoove you to do it. Now, notice what it says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So every time you read, every time you memorize, every time you speak, every time you worship God speaking His Word, every time you can, something profitable is going on in your life. You just need to stay with it so that what is profitable for you in the realm of the Spirit can get into the natural. So what profits your heart, what profits your spirit man, what profits you to speak and to proclaim and declare, that it begins to show up in your life. I tell you, my life, the past 33 years, the only thing that has profited me has been the Word. The Word has profited me physically. The Word has profited me financially. The Word has profited me in my relationships, in my peace, in my joy. In every area of my life, there has been a dimension of the profit of the Word of God that has come out of the Spirit and into my life and touched the material realm. Oh, come on, church. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Now, years ago, uh, when Leah owned a business here on the, uh, on the island, a client of hers asked her, he knew I was a minister, knew I was in the ministry, asked her, now how does your husband interpret the Word of God? And so Leah thought for a minute, she told me the story when she came home that, 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 that afternoon, she thought for a minute and said, well, he doesn't. He doesn't interpret the Word of God. That's why you must be very careful of any man's interpretation of the word. Are you with me? We tell people constantly, and have done it for 33 years of ministry, never believe anything because I say it. Only believe it because the word says it. Because men say all kinds of things about the Word of God. Men say that the Word of God is not working today. That it is not active today. That God does not heal today. That God does not deliver today. That God does not set free today. And that God, if He were to do it, He does it at His own sovereign will, who He chooses. But I want you to know, when we go, we're going to study a little bit about healing and deliverance here in a few, few weeks. You will see that out of the 19 wonderful miracles of healing and restoration in the Gospels, 16 of them initiated it. That means they came to the Word. They came to Jesus. They came to the Word. You say, what point are you trying to make? We get our doctrine from the Word. We don't try to spin it. We don't try to interpret it. We just look at it on the Word, and we allow the Holy Ghost, the teacher of the Word of God. And that's what teaches you, is the teacher that's on the inside. Amen? Now, for doctrine, everybody say reproof. Now, now this is what people, I mean, they love doc, good doctrine, but then here comes reproof. What does reproof do? It reproves you. It shows you where you're wrong and it's right. That's where submission comes in. Come on. You say, what do you mean by that? There's all kinds of people that have great arguments for why they shouldn't do what the Word says. We'll just use one here today. We took about, talked about tithing when we took the... There are people that just, I mean, they'll come up, it's under the law, it's this, it's that, and they'll come up with every excuse. It's just the Word of God trying to reprove you. And every time tithing is teached on, or it's time to take the tithes and offering in a church service, that's your most uncomfortable point of the service. One, my Lord. 
Amen. I know I've been there. I remember when I used to think impossible, 10% of my income, I ain't even got an income. And what little income I did have, I sure couldn't give 10% of it. But the word, the word, not some preacher, but the word kept reproving me, reproving me, reproving me, saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And finally I said, all right, I'm wrong. I had been reproved. Has it benefited you? It has benefited me. It has benefited this church. It has benefited everything that, to this day, one of the things we pray, when we leave our house, we're going on a mission field somewhere, we're going on a vacation, we say, Father, we are tithers. The devourer is rebuked. He cannot touch our seed or what our seed has produced. It's produced this house. It's produced this car. It's produced those pets. It's produced these possessions. We'll come back. They'll be there in Jesus' name. They're always there in Jesus' name. You say, why? Because he stands on our obedience to the word and reproves anything that tries to come against, or rebukes anything that tries to come against what our seed has produced. And not only that, anything that would try to get our seed. You say, what do you mean? God's always given a seed to sow, seed to sow, seed to sow here, seed to sow there, seed to sow the word, sow this, sow that. Listen, the word doesn't return void. I said, the word doesn't return void. You know, for 12 years, I went all over the nation of Ireland preaching the word, 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 preaching, not talking about money, not talking about just preaching the word, preaching the word. And it looked like for a time that whole thing was over, that nothing was going to come of. Then God sent a beautiful couple to this church who had a desire to go to that nation. You say, what do you mean? The word doesn't return void. I said, the word doesn't return void. And they stayed here for a few years, prepared themselves, and they took off as missionaries to Ireland. Then he gets over there, and God begins to give them favor, begins to open doors, and then he becomes a, a, a how can I say this, an intermediary mediary for me and gets all kinds of doors open all over the nation where at the end of April, I'm going to get on an airplane, fly to Ireland, and be all over the nation. And God has reopened that door for us to go back in and reap what was sowed. You say, why? Because the devourer is rebuked. And we had seed in Ireland that the enemy wasn't going to steal. Come on, church. For correction. Now, if you study the word correction, it literally means a direction change. I mean, if you're going the wrong way, you need to take a turn. Some of you need an exit. Some of you need an entrance. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, when you're flying down the freeway, I was at, uh, where, I was at uh, uh, in Tulsa at Christ, at, at, uh, we're at, at Fire for the Nations uh, uh, conference. Anyway, they've got a, if you go too far past the exit that goes to Pastor Mark and Janet's church, there you go. If you go too far, you end up on what's called the Indian Nations Turnpike which has happened to me twice. Once is bad enough. And so when you get on it, there's no way to get off. And so you've got to get on it. And when you get, finally find this exit, you've got to get back on it to get back over to where their church is. So you get a double ticket. Because they take a picture of your license plate, send it to the rent car company that sends it to you. So it's $35 one way, $35 the other way, that's $70, and $15 handling costs, $85, which I've been blessed to pay twice. <laughs> I wish they'd make an exit. Uh, they could name it Rusty's Exit. I don't, you know, get off here. 
a direction change. Amen. Listen, many times in our life, if you're going in a particular direction, and man, you're just butting your head against the wall. Man, it doesn't look like anything's happening for you. Looks like faith isn't working. Looks like your prayers aren't being answered. It may not be that God needs a direction change. I'm going to let that simmer a minute, you know. Because a lot of times, God needs to do something here. Well, it may be not God needs to do something. It, may, it might be you need to be corrected. Another direction. Everybody say another direction. Many times in my life when I was butting my head up against something, this was happening, this was going on, that was going on, God would say, now you need to do this and you need to do this and this and this. And I'd say, well, that's a total direction change. And he'd say, exactly. Get corrected. And when I would begin to make corrections, it's amazing how the windows of heaven would open again, how the anointing would come again, how doors would begin to open again, how God would begin to bless again, just because I was willing to be corrected. Most people are too stubborn. They're not humble enough nor submitted enough to allow the Word of God to truly correct them because they got their own idea. I think I said this Wednesday night when it, in our prayer. We're studying prayer. You know, in every area, we've got people that are experts in some areas around. We've got some doctors and veterinarians and, and people that, 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 that own certain business. And it's amazing if you go try to interact with somebody who's an expert in a certain area. Amen? And you begin to try to, you know, talk up to them like you think you know something, but you really don't. It always turns out awkward. Amen? But with spiritual things... One of the great deceptions is that you think you know something. Got quiet in here. I must have hit a nerve, amen. You don't know nothing. I like what Brother Kenneth E. Hagin had, had almost 70 years of ministry and changed the, the way the entire body of Christ viewed the subject of faith. He said this, the more I learn, the less I see I ever knew in the first place. Let me say that again. The more you learn about spiritual things, the less you see you ever knew. And a lot of times we think we're experts on spiritual. We're not. None of us are. No preacher is. No prophet is. No apostle is. Listen, we're just pilgrims and strangers doing our best we can do to handle this powerful energy force that God has allowed us to handle. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. So we have to let the Word of God do what? We, we get our doctrine, we get our reproof, we get our credit, and we get our instruction in righteousness. How to live right because you have been made right. Let me try that again. How we are to live right. Now, right, right there, people always go in the ditch with that and say, well, we're not legalistic. We're not under law. We're not. We're not legalistic. We're not under law. But there are laws that are relevant to us. Number one, the laws of God have never changed. The Ten Commandments. Listen, there's 230-something uh, messianic laws, excuse me, uh, uh, mosaic laws that were given to the Levitical priesthood and to the nation of Israel that we, we are not responsible for those laws. Those laws have been removed. But the laws of God have not been suspended in any way. And one of the laws of God is this. The wages of sin is death. You, you have to live righteous. Let me try that again. You have to live righteous. One more time. Maybe it'll help some of you. You have to live righteous. 
You can't do drugs. You can't do alcohol. You can't be, you know, tobacco. You can't, you say, well, that's just law. No, it's not law. We live in a dispensation that it's grace not to have to have it. You can't mess with pornography. Amen. And today, man, there are things today you get up and talk against and, and give the revelation of the word of God for it on the subject. And honey, you're liable to be in a court case. But I'm telling you, there are laws in the Word of God. One of them is the law of marriage. It's one man, it's one woman. You say, well, I know some wonderful people. Well, good, I'm glad they're wonderful. But it's against the law. And there's a curse on that. Ought to get a better amen than that. And even for a believer, if you continue in any type of sin in your life, then one day you're going to get a paycheck. But thank God you can be corrected and instructed in righteousness, get off that path, find you an exit, get back on the right way, and God will bless you and heal you and deliver you of that. That's not popular preaching. A lot of people don't teach or preach on sin anymore because so many people get offended at it. But listen, sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. Mm -mm. You must decide to make the Word first place in your life. You must let the Word do its work in your life. I don't know if anybody here takes vitamins. But, you know, vitamins is kind of a... You say, you know, I'm going to take this vitamin and everything's going to change. <laughs> well, it ain't going to happen that way. Even in food. You know, you can say, well, I'm going to eat right. Well, you go, you know, you say, all I've been eating is, is Milky Ways and, and pizza and corn dogs and washing it down with big liters of Dr. Pepper, you know, for the last 46 years. And I don't feel too good. I really don't feel too good. And so what I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm going to go down and I'm going to eat a salad. I'm going to eat me a salad. And so you eat that salad and you sit there and you go, well, I don't feel much better. So I think I'm going to go back to the Milky Ways, corn dogs, pizza, and Dr. Pepper. Well, a lot of people treat the Word of God like that. But it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, that starts coming into your life. Next thing you know, you're not thinking the same. Your thinking has changed. You're not acting the same. Your activity has changed. Things that you used to think you had to have, you don't have to have anymore. Things you think you used to, used to do, have to do, you don't have to do it anymore. You say, why? Well, you've been delivered by the power and the ability of the Word of God. Amen. Now, notice what it, let me, let me conclude this scripture. We'll go on to our last one. It says, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, that word's mature, matured, and thoroughly furnished. Now, all of us have furniture. We're furnished. Mindsets, ideas, cultural things, ethnic things, we all have our furniture. But the problem is, God doesn't live on any of our furniture. Come on, church. And he's not in the moving business. Well, I'm blaming God to change me. No. He empowers you to change yourself. So many people exhaust their faith trying to get God to change circumstances that they've created. What God wants to do is change you so you don't create those circumstances no more. So God wants to come in and get into your living room and start getting your furniture organized so that you can move it out. 
right before the storm, we bought a couch. And it looked nice. And I'm a couch guy. I like to lay on the couch and watch TV. You know, it's just relaxing to me. Play with the dog, watch TV, whatever. And so, Leah bought this couch, and on the surface, it looked good. And so, I tried to lay on it a couple of days, and it was like a couch from a death camp somewhere, you know? I was like, oh my God, this is a horrible couch. And I hit and ruined that couch. And we walked up to our home, we were all, and I, then I, all of a sudden I had a thought, that couch is gone. Glory to God. Am I lying? That's the truth, isn't it? I said, that couch is gone. I drug that sucker out and put it out there on the streets, and you can have it. <laughs> we actually saw that couch. Don't you remember we saw that couch when we were walking? It was in the marsh. <laughs> Somebody had thrown it in the marsh. <laughs> but you got stuff like that. But in reality, it's not the uncomfortable furniture that you have in your life. Because if you're over about 25 years old, you've furnished yourself with comfort. You say what? You think things that are comfortable. You believe things that are comfortable. You act on things that are comfortable. But not everything of God is comfortable. You ever seen somebody's got an old chair, an old couch that they've had for 40, 50, 60 years? You know, they've raised like 10 kids and 40 grandkids and, and no telling how many dogs, cats, hamsters, chickens, lizards, whatever. It's got every kind of stain and smell you can think of. But they, if anyone tries to touch it, don't touch that. Why? It fits my flesh. And see, people got a lot of ideas and insights that just, it feels good to lay in. Yeah, that's got, Yeah. But God doesn't want that. But he wants to perfectly or furnish you unto maturity, and he will allow you to move that stuff out of your life because he's waiting with these moving vans full of good stuff. New ideas, new insights, new mindsets that are very conducive to your blessing. And when you realize that, it makes it easy to put God's word first. Now, real quick, go to, since you're there in Timothy, just a couple of pages over, go to Hebrews chapter 1. How many getting excited about the Word? Yeah. Now, I love this one of my favorite scriptures about the Word because this really reveals something that's awesome here. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Everybody say the prophets. Hath, that word hath, past tense, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Now, Jesus is God speaking to us. All four Gospels, God wanted to say it four times from four different directions. This is Jesus. You're sick, you get healed. Amen? You're, you're a sinner, you get saved. You need power, you get the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's God speaking to us through Jesus. Uh, he, you got a mansion in heaven. You got all this good stuff. You got, you got the love of God. You got the forgiveness of God. You got the mercy of God, the grace of God. You got faith that the Word produces. All this stuff. That's, that's, that's God talking to us through Jesus. Jesus is God's declaration to us. The Bible says of Him, He went about doing good, not bad, good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. He's not an oppressor. He's not a hater. He's not a bigot. There's nothing in Him that is not pure love and pure power. Come on, church. So, God, who at sundry times and diverse matters uh, has spoken to the fathers in the past by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, 
Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So who's the worlds made out of? His son. Who is his son? The Word. How can the Word be a person? Well, that's one of those things you don't need to try to figure out. Your brain ain't big enough. But you got to realize God is the person of the Word of God. His name is Jesus. Amen. That was his name when he was on the earth 33 and a half years. And when we see him again with this beautiful, I mean, you know, golden power radiating individual image of him across his chest is a big sash. Anybody know what it says on it? It says the word of God. So he is the word. Amen. Now I love this. Who being the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person, upholding all things by, now notice this phrase, by the word of his power. By the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Psalms 138 says, he has exalted his word even above his name. Now, this, I think, I don't know, we, we've taught on this before, but I don't even know if I've fully grasped this yet. God does not impregnate his word with power and speak it. God speaks his word and pulls his power from it. He is the consummate faith being. Amen. If he did the, if it was the opposite, then, then that's the way it would be. He would have all this power, then he would get this power in a, and then speak his word. But see, in doing that, that means he has to have it before he believes it. Are you with me? That means he has to have the power of the word before he believes that that power will work. So basically in creation, if he created like that, he would be speaking his word to see if it would work. But that's not what he is. Remember what Jesus said of himself? He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He didn't say, I'm going to show you the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, I am the truth. I am the truth. He prayed in John 17, which we see as the Lord's Prayer. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is thy truth. Anyone's search for truth in reality stops right here. Truth is not in Plato or Mark Twain. In two different directions, you know. <laughs> you know, truth is not in all these other things. That people, you know, it's not in an acid trip or an LSD trip. I found truth. No, you didn't. You just stoned. Amen. I mean, people get all, and that's, that's, that's becoming very popular now with all the, you know, the pot churches that are rising up all over Colorado and, and people, you know, they come in, they got their bongs all on the altar. How many know what a bong is? How do you know that? I know Rocky knows, you know. <laughs> and and the, the documentary I saw, you know, this, this woman and she's got tears just running down her face and she's talking about, I've never, ever felt the presence of God. You, you're, it's not the presence of God, you're stoned. Amen? No, pe people, see, they get all off on it. God speaks his word, then draws his power from his word. That means he believes what he says and draws his power from what he believes. That's why he says it. Now, he has given us his power source. If you ever get a hold of this, it'll radically change your life. He has given you his power source and the concept of faith which causes it to work. 
Speak the word. Live in the word. Put the word first. Put it first in your health, first in your finances. Put the word first. Speak the word. Draw power from the word. Speak the word. Draw power from the word. Let me read it. In the, in the, I love it in the Amplified. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken unto us in the person of a son whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through, whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space, the ages of time, he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Well, that's, that takes some power, church. That takes some power. Then it says this. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the Word. So we could say it like this. The Word of God is the sole expression of the glory of God. <laughs> the Word of God is the sole expression of the glory of God. It is the light being, the outray, a radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and image of God's nature. The Word is the perfect imprint of the image of God's nature. And it says over the book of Peter that we are partakers of the divine nature. How? By the Word of God. Mm -mm -mm. The perfect imprint, very image of God's nature. Now listen. Upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe. By his mighty word of power. Now listen. If God can uphold, maintain, propel, energize, cause it to expand. They say the universe is expanding at the speed of light. Don't you think he can help you pay your light bill? Now let me close with this. I don't have time to dig into it, but we're going to close with this. The only thing that nullifies that power is unbelief. And what the adversary wants to do is to cause you to unbelieve what the power of the word has caused you to believe. Therefore, we've got to talk about another force just for a second. We're going to pick this up next week because this will help you. And that is the force of lie, which is the opposite of truth. Amen. You've got truth which is a word and deed coming together to establish a reality. Then you have a lie, which is what? It's the opposite of the truth. Just as opposite as light is from darkness, death is from light, so is truth from a lie. A lie is why we're in the mess we're in. In the garden, Satan, the father of lies, the father of lies. Hey, listen, let me just say that for a minute, because people talk about, oh, the devil talking to me, and the devil talking to my mind, and the devil did. He's a liar! My God, rise up and realize anything the devil says to you is a lie. Amen. If he speaks to you, it's a lie. I've even learned to turn it on. He says to me, well, you're not healed. I say, well, thank God for that, devil. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. The devil say, what are you talking about? I say, well, you just came and told me I wasn't healed, and you're a liar. You're the father of lies. The Bible says truth not in you. So just the opposite is true. Thank God I'm healed. I'm not healed by your word, but thank God for the confirmation. See, a lot of people, they want to get acquainted with God, want to get acquainted with Jesus, acquainted with the Holy Ghost, but they're not acquainted with the devil. You need to be acquainted with the devil. You say, why? Because then you know how to overcome him. You know how to resist him. Humble yourself, submit yourself, submit yourself to the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, when it comes to lies, don't be a liar. Amen. And if you've never put out the effort to stop lying, you're a liar. 
Let me try that again. You say, why? Because you are predisposed to it. It's in your human nature. It's not in the divine nature that's in your spirit. shouldn't be in your heart. But if you've never really put forth the effort to quit lying, you're still doing it. And the problem is it's destructive, especially when it comes to your covenant. Now listen, you've got to hear what I'm saying because I know we'll teach on faith and clear some of these things up later, but the enemy comes to you and, and, and says, you know, uh, you're sick, you're going to die. You need to recognize that's a lie. You say, but my body tells me I'm sick and the doctor tells me I'm sick and I'm going to die. But still, if you accept that as truth, you're done. You're done. I'd rather fight a report like that as a lie and die than not oppose it and just let it overcome me. I, I told this morning a, a minister that I know very well known. I don't know him personally. I, I know him because of his ministry. And I, I'm very confident he's a man of faith, man of power. And he told the story, I heard him tell it on the radio, the testimony of being diagnosed with a very severe heart problem. And he's sitting across the desk of a doctor that's just laying it out and basically laying out how it's going to end up and it's going to end up with him dead. And he's going through it. And he's, he made this statement. He said, I found myself kind of outside my body watching myself stand up on the, on the, on the doctor's desk, look across at him and scream at him, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. Well, after security ushered him out of the building, <laughs> he said this later. He said, if I'd have thought, I'd have never done that. He said, but I, the problem, the, what, 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 what made me susceptible to that is it was about an hour and 40 minutes from my home to that doctor's office, and I prayed in tongues the whole way. He said, obviously, my spirit man was more connected to my mouth than my natural man was. So he went and got him another doctor after he had stood on the word, made some declarations of faith, and they couldn't find nothing wrong with him. You say, why? Well, it may have been the facts, but it was not the truth. And anything that is not of truth is a lie. The devil getting your message, you're not going to make it. It's a lie. He said, going to kill your children. That's a lie. And the problem is we're so gullible many times, we're more responsive to a lie than we are to the truth. And when we become more responsive to a lie, what are we doing? We're taking God's word, word, which should be first place in our life, and we're moving it out of that place, and it doesn't function in any other place. There are things that do not function unless they're in their place, and God's word will not function. Now, well, you just get saved, and, and you're coming into the things of God, and, and God is working with you. It takes a little time for that to get there, but God expects you to get to the place where you make the decision to put God's word first, and once it gets there, you can't ever take it out. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have bought a lie. They've just bought a lie. Now, the problem with that is, it says over in Hebrews of the Word of God that it's quick, alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It says in, he, in Ephesians that it is what? It is the sword of the Spirit. It cuts on our character, cuts away that that which is not good in our life, and then it's a weapon against the adversary. Now, you come to Island Church over a period of time, and you develop what? Your belief system. And what the enemy wants to do is impart into a developed belief system, a lie. The world out there don't know nothing about this. They don't know about the heart and the mouth being the beliefs. They don't know about these spiritual things, but you do. And some of the most gullible people that get destroyed by lies the most is not the world. 
because they got to see it to believe it. You go ahead and tell some old, you know, some old uh, longshoreman that's been working on a wharf for 50 years. He's got a bad heart, and he's been working hard for 50 years, and he hadn't filled his heart skip a beat in 50 years. He'll look at you and say, you're crazy. Ain't nothing wrong with my heart. That ain't faith. That's just a stubborn old knothead. I'm telling you, it's the truth. But you take some Christian who's, who's standing on the Word of God, and the devil comes in, and you get some negative report, and automatically, you do what? You believe it. And the enemy wants to put a lie in your mind for one reason. You know why? He wants you to say it. Because he's not a creator, you are. He wants you to say, I'm sick. He wants you to say, I'm broke. He wants you to say, I can't make it. I can't do it. He wants you to say that because if he knows if you say that, you will create that. The same principle that works for you works against you. So when you begin to go down that negative path, I'm not going to make. Listen, I'll stand neck deep in mud under the overpass with a sign that says, I still believe God will bless me and prosper my life. I'm not going to deny what the Word of God says. I've gone too many years into this and seen it work too well to abandon it for what? Something that will destroy me. So when you begin to realize that and recognize that, you begin to put a guard on your mind because the enemy's always coming to people's minds and trying to get them to believe a lie. And once you believe a lie, you're hooked. You're hooked. I mean, in all kinds of... Uh, uh, I knew of a... Uh, uh, it, was, it was Pat Knox Hayes. Remember Pat? She said that she had this big uh, 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 insecurity in her, intimidation, insecurity. Several times she sung and sang in front of, uh, of big crowds, uh, you know, 10, 15,000 people in great gospel crusades and things. And after she'd sing, she'd go back in the, in, the, in the back and just be physically sick, be physically sick. She was just intimidated. So she really made it a matter of prayer. She began to pray over it and pray over it. And one day she said, just pray. She said, the Lord opened up the spirit realm and two demons were talking about her and she heard their conversation. And she said, one devil said to, one demon said to another, yeah, it's, we can get her with that. We can get it with intimidation. Just tell, her, just tell her one more time. Just tell her one more time. Just speak to her one more time. Just, just, just feed that intimidation. Feed that insecurity one more time. Just one more. And she said, I heard that in the Spirit. She said, I got on my knees. I began to get that word in my mouth. I began to speak and speak and speak and speak that word. And she literally became one of the boldest women I ever saw in my life that could get behind a pulpit and get up and sing and bring the glory into a meeting. Some of you that knew her knew what I'm talking about. I mean, she could sing the glory of God into a meeting. And you know, it's the same way with us today. The enemy will get on. Little, it's a little whisper, and he'll see if we respond to the whisper. And if we respond to the whisper, then he'll say it a little louder. And if we respond to the a little louder, then he'll say it a little louder. And then if we respond, then he'll say it a little louder. And then if we respond that, then he'll say it a little louder with some feelings connected to it. Now you're hooked. Well, I just feel like it. Well, now, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And if you will recognize the process of how the enemy runs it on you, you will never fall for a lie again. You'll never be depressed again. You'll never have anxiety again. You'll never have any of these issues in your life. There was a time in my life, uh, there were some people said some things about me that weren't true. They just weren't true. They were just lies. And so I was hearing them. You say, what do you mean hearing them? Faith cometh by hearing. Something you hear, something that you act on. 
And in the middle of that, I notice things begin to happen to me negatively. My mental state began to deteriorate. My spiritual state began to deteriorate. And I went to God and said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. You have to show me what's going on. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you listen to a lie, no matter what source it comes from, it comes in as a sword into your life. And as the sword of the word of God begins to cut and do good things, the sword of a lie does negative things. It cuts out your strengths. It cuts out the character that God has already developed. It cuts out your faith. It cuts out your hope. It cuts out your vision. It cuts out everything because you're adhering to that. And the Lord actually put it to me as a challenge. He said, are you going to listen to a lie any longer? Are you just going to forgive and let go of anything anybody says about you and not let it affect you. And I said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to speak my forgiveness. I'm going to make a decision to do it. I'm going to speak to the sycamore tree. Remember we taught on that? I'm going to get this out of my life. I'm going to get these lies. Because sometimes it's not lies that are formed that we tell on ourselves. It's lies from others that damage us the most because we let them. That's why God gave us forgiveness That's why God gave us the ability to forgive, to speak to the sycamine tree, to speak to unforgiveness, and to break the power of that because the enemy is a liar from the beginning and the father of them. And he is the one that will do everything he can do to torment your mind. But if you'll make a decision to put the word of God first place and to what? Submit to it. You have to submit and respond to the word. The word that is taught The word that is preached, the word that you study, the word that you meditate upon, the word that you read, the word that you sing, the word that you confess, you must allow yourself to be inundated with that word so that there's nothing in you. The Bible says of Jesus, he said, the devil cometh and has no place in me. The only place the enemy can overcome you is a place you give him in your life. And that's the number one thing he looks for is can I get them with a lie? You say, well, the doctor told me. But it's a lie. The truth is, by his stripes you're healed. It may be a fact, but it's a lie. You say, well, the banker says it's a lie. He supplies all of your need. You say, well, I feel this way. Well, it's a lie. Don't latch hold to a lie. Submit to the Word of God and put it first place in your life. Amen? Amen. Did you learn something this morning? Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for for Jesus, who is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and he is the one who is our all in all. He is the word of God. He is the truth of God. And he will cause that which is of God to become solidified in our hearts and into our spirits. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you. Now say out loud, Heavenly Father, you are my own very own heavenly father your word is a lamp unto my feet your word is a light unto my path forever O lord forever O lord your word is settled in heaven that means my salvation is settled that means my healing is settled that means my prosperity is settled that means my joy is settled that means my righteousness is settled That means my destiny is settled. Thank you, Father. You watch over your word to perform it. Heaven and earth could pass away, but your word will never pass away. The flower fadeth, the grass withereth, but the word of the Lord, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Your word is my life. 
Your word is my power source. Your word is my all in all. I submit, I submit to your word. Any rebellion, any resistance in my heart towards your word, I rebuke it. I command it to leave. I dismiss it. Thanking you, Father. My heart, my heart is submissive to your word. Speak your word, Lord. Speak your word. Let it come as revelation. Let it come prophetically. Let it come in power. Let it come in enlightenment. I will enjoy it. I will receive it. I will be reproved. I will be corrected. I will be instructed in righteousness. I will be refurnished, refurnished by the goodness and the blessing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.